Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So thank you guys for tuning in for this extra special episode of Tone Deaf as we uh, catch up with our episode count. From the day, from the, I should say the week that Kay had the plague. Yep, the swollen face plague. Um, so... Uh, just wanted to real quick say if you guys want to help out the show at all, uh, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or wherever uh, you get your good podcasts. Uh, Podchaser is another one of those. Yeah, uh, uh, reviews and lo- reviews and stuff and word of mouth is the best way to help independent podcasts grow. So any effort you do to help us is greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. Yep. And uh, yeah, if you if you leave us a review and you want recognition, you know we'd be happy to. We'll thank you. We'll thank you from the bottom we of our will. hearts. Yeah. We'll shout your praises to everyone who listens to the show. We will. And speaking of someone who listened to the show, um. A friend of the show, Reagan, let us know something about score that I completely spaced because my brain just short-circuited. That movie was... was a pucking disaster? Well, besides being a pucking disaster, was also at the Toronto Film Festival at the same time as 127 Hours and The King's Speech and Black Swan. So that it was and that it, year. And it opened the Toronto Film Yes. So you see, I told you, they wanted to start at a low bar, so they had nowhere to go but up. God, though, like, <laughs> man. Anyway, so just wanted to uh, share that bit, because I, I totally, like, my brain was just so fried from score. And so thank you, Reagan, for uh, reminding us about that, because, man... That show was a monstrosity, but this one, this one is a classic. However, Warren, we have trouble. Big trouble in Little China? We have trouble right here in Salt Lake City. Well, yeah. But, uh, (laughs) dang it, I I had a joke with this, and then my brain reminded me of score, because it keeps... The, the hockey song keeps sneaking in, so... Kay has some PTSD. This is one of those situations where I'm glad that I am as tone-deaf as I am, because I'm less likely to get a terrible song stuck in my head. I'm in hell, guys, so I'm hoping <laughs> that this helps. But uh, Warren didn't get the uh, joke that I was throwing at him yet, because he has not seen this show. We are watching Music Man. And you had hinted at me before that, uh, like so many musicals before, this is one that I will recognize all the references from. Yes. You didn't recognize the one I threw at you, but that's okay. Nope. Swing and a miss on my part. (laughs) So, um, Music Man was written by Meredith Wilson. Now, before we go on, I'm going to say Meredith Wilson's full name. Meredith Wilson is just the stage name, like the shortened name. Full name was, uh, pardon Uh, Full name is Robert Renninger Meredith Wilson. So 
he just went by his middle name and his last name. I was not expecting Meredith Wilson to be a guy. There are a lot of names that used to be men's names or used to be paired with men's names that aren't anymore. There's, Same as with women's names, like Jamie used a, to be a guy's name. There's and, a Meredith at work. Yeah. So that's, that's, I, I've not known many Merediths, mm-hmm. uh, but I've only ever known it as a, as a woman's name. Yeah, it's, it's not a common name anymore. Um, but that's he- neither here nor there. It's over um, there. <laughs> Meredith Wilson wrote both the book, the music, and the lyrics for this. So the complete control over it. Yes. No adaptations that they did not personally approve of. Exactly. Um, so this is considered one of the classic musicals and one of the war horses of Broadway. <laughs> is it one of the four war horses of Broadway? Kind of, yeah. Uh, there's... <laughs> Music Man, uh, Carousel. Uh, oh, God. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're putting this up there with Carousel? So is it a I'm just, bad musical? Oh, no. I'm just saying that Carousel is a war horse. Like, it's one of the ones that runs forever on Broadway. I don't know why, because it's a pile mm-hmm. of flaming garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I guess with Carousel, it's not that it runs forever. It's just that everyone knows of it. Um, and if you're a theater person, you have to have been exposed to it at least once. To be so, immunized or anything like that? Is it yeah. like getting a vaccine it's, so that it's you don't like catch a disease a vaccine. later? Or is it more like the plague and it just comes through and leaves nothing but devastation? <laughs> so, um, luckily that's not the show we're watching yet. We'll hit that road eventually. Um, so, uh, Music Man was an instant hit when it premiered on Broadway in 1957. It earned Best Musical among its five Tonys that it won that year. Holy shit. And it ran for 1,375 performances in its first run. Nice. It won the first Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album. It was on the Billboard charts for 245 weeks. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's one of the... It, it is a war horse. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, tangent. Mm-hmm. Why is it called a war horse? That doesn't seem like something to be associated with musical theater. Because it just keeps going. It, it's... Okay, I would think that something like one of the pillars or something would, eh, would make more sense. That's another term you could use, I guess. Because I'm just, just picturing... I don't know nothing about Music Man, but you say it's one of the war horses, and I'm just picturing, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> galloping and singing as they're coming to obliterate it's, the it's world. It's just like a war horse can't be stopped. They just keep going. Okay. Okay. I guess Tripwire might stop a warhorse, but that's in film, and we don't do that anymore. (laughs) And if people do that, then I'm going to go beat them personally, because you do not hurt my precious horses. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so this show has been revived three times. It was revived for two weeks in 1965, three weeks in 1980, and then in 2000 it ran for... 699 performances, and um, there was a really short-lived one in 2008, but I couldn't find much on it, so it's not really considered, like, one of its main revivals. Gotcha. Um, It's been adapted for film uh, twice. It was adapted for film in 1962, which is the version we're watching. Okay. And then it was also adapted for, uh, well, I guess more TV than film, but same difference in 2003. Um, Meredith Wilson wrote this show based on his childhood in Iowa, and he actually had tried to pitch this idea to, um, several producers, including producers at MGM for television, and he got rejected. 
And so he decided to team up with Franklin Lacey to try and edit his libretto down and see if he could improve upon it some more. And one uh, part that he edited was a bit of dialogue that was about the issues going on in the town the show takes place in, River City, Iowa. And he realized that this dialogue would actually work better as lyrics, and it became one of the most iconic patter songs in musical theater. Remind me what a patter song is. Um, They're the songs with snappy, quick dialogue. Okay, that... like I am the very model of a major... Yeah. Because okay. I thought that's what it was, but I couldn't remember. So, it, so I want, I'm sorry, I just want to reiterate so that I make sure I am, I'm understanding. Mm -hmm. He initially, so did he write it first, like the book version? or He, he wrote it for TV first. Okay, he wrote it for TV, but he initially intended it to just be a, not a straight play, but just a straight performance, right? It, it would be a musical. Oh, he did want it to be? Yeah. Okay. Because he was still putting music into it. But Just he... this one particular part he realized mm -hmm. would be better done as a song. Yeah, and it's one of the most iconic songs. It, most iconic patter songs and iconic songs in musical theater. It's probably one of the most parodied songs. So are you betting this is one I'll recognize? Well, considering that I started our review with it, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got trouble, my friends. Yes, sir. We got trouble right here in River City with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. We surely got trouble right here in River City. So I may already know the reference. I think that I get a reference from Simpsons yes. with the monorail. Yes, yes, yay. Okay. okay. So so you know where you know where it's referenced. One of the one of the many times this show has been referenced. Um. So a couple of other things about the show. Um, he based the love interest on a Provolite. Interesting. And her name was Marion Seeley. She was a medical records librarian that he met in World War II. Is she the one who invented celiac's disease? No. <laughs> Good Lord. I know. Not even spelled the same way. <laughs> I'm just... I'm, just so I'm trying to contribute something. You're fine, babe. You're the smart one and cute one and funny one. I would say that you're the cute and funny one. I'm the nerd. You're the cute, funny. Uh, we're we're getting a little bit too. Uh, these these fine folks don't need to hear me gush over my husband. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, um. <laughs> So Robert Preston, um, who is considered to be the best Harold Hill, who's the lead character, um, he ended up getting the role because of how he was able to perform You Got Trouble, which is the Patter song. Because a lot of the men auditioning for the show couldn't sing that part, and that was the part that they used in their audition. It was tricky. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a singer, but he was an actor, and he was able to hit that, like, hit all of the uh all of the uh lyrics as needed and he he just mwah, he's so good um and he will be in the movie that we're watching so during this production the show had like during the production of the show it had 22 of 40 songs cut and went through about 40 drafts jeez yeah well you know that's probably why it is 
so good and has standed the test of time is because they mm -hmm. really refined it and got it down. Yes. Uh, you know what could have used another 40 revisions? Score? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that could have used another 40 it revisions. It could have. It really could have. But anyway. Puck that show. Puck that show with stick. Uh, so, uh, without going back to that monstrosity, um, it opened at the Majestic Theater in December of 1957. And then three years later, it moved to the Broadway Theater, which is one of the only Broadway theaters actually located on the street of Broadway still. Um, remember that a Broadway theater is a professional <laughs> theater that has 500 or more seats. Okay. That's what makes a Broadway is 500 or more. Mm -hmm. And professional. Yeah, professional. People are getting paid. They're not People volunteering. People are getting paid. Um, and I believe they do have to be in New York. For them to really be considered a Broadway theater. That makes sense. Because uh, freaking East Coast elitists. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when it won the Tony for Best Musical, it actually took West Side Story out behind the theater and beat it for ah. dominance. Yeah, same year. Um, it had a long-running tour in 58 in America, and then it opened in Australia in 1960. It opened at the Hippodrome in the UK in 1961 before moving to the West End. <laughs> the Hippodrome? Yeah. Uh, oh, God damn it. That sounds like a creature out of Greek mythology. <laughs> Hercules battled the Hippodrome, too. <laughs> I knew, I knew that that would happen, and I, I went with it anyway. It's <laughs> hippodrome. I mean, that sounds like, that sounds like a drone that looks like a hippopotamus. Like, <laughs> like if you made drones that were little submarines, they'd be hippodromes. <laughs> and that killed more people than lions. Oh Jesus! And um, there was a tr a Chinese translation of the th of the musical that opened in 1987. Um, there will be another revival planned for 2020. Cool. I want you to guess who is going to be Harold Hill. Okay, so Harold Hill, if I am gathering correctly, is basically a con man, right? Uh -huh. Okay. Well, I can't say the one. Well, okay. Um, is it somebody <laughs> that I would know? Yes. Oh. Hugh Jackman? Yes, motherfucking Wolverine. <laughs> I can't believe I got that the first try. Wow. Motherfucking Wolverine is going to be Harold Hill, and I'm so excited. And now I wish we could go to New York in 2020. Yeah. To go see it. Yeah. It opens right after our anniversary, too. Oh, I know. Man. Dang it. Yeah. I hate being poor. <laughs> Me, too. Why? Ah, uh, Broadway, like, just, come on, guys, like, like... Do do a Fathom event. Re record one... What? So, Fathom events, they're where they'll live stream... Yes! ...the show at a movie theater. Yes! Do that! Please. We'll go, we'll pay for Please. it, we'll buy out a theater like, for it. Damn it. I mean, we can't, but... I think buying out a theater would probably cost about as much as if we flew there and got yeah, tickets. True, true, but then we'd have to leave the dog at home. Yeah, I could just hear her right now. She's like, no, no. Um, so, as you mentioned earlier, there is a Simpsons reference with this, with the monorail song. Um, it's also been referenced by Family Guy, twice, at least. 
I haven't watched Family Guy in a while. Yeah, but... me either, and I can't think of So, those. do you remember uh, the episode where Brian ends up falling in love with the old lady, Pearl? Yes. Before all of that happens, there's a scene where Lois is playing... Is uh, teaching a piano lesson, and she and Brian are talking back or singing yes. back and forth. That's a song that they they're referencing a song that uh, is in Music Man there. And then when Peter is playing for the Patriots and he does the showboating, yes, Shapoopy, that's oh, a song. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in Music Man. Yes, the and girl who's hard they, to get. They they do just like a reenactment of that song for, which is why I laughed so hard when we were watching that. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, Boston Legal did it, Allie McBeal did a reference, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic did a reference to Music Man, everybody references it, and even Keith Oberman has called Glenn Beck Harold Hill because grifter. (laughs) However, (laughs) I like Harold Hill, and Harold Hill has some character development, so I don't think this is fair to Harold Hill. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fair to the fictional character. It is not. (laughs) So, um, fictional characters have feelings too, damn it. Exactly. So, yeah, this is, this is gonna be a nice change of pace. You'll get to watch another classic musical. Nice. Um, with a plot that's easy to follow. I've I've noticed the method that you have done our show with is because you'll be like, a good show that I can hedge my bets that he'll probably like. Show that will destroy his sanity. Show that could go either way. (laughs) (laughs) Another good show. Yeah, and that's that's how I feel once we start Spoopy Month. I'm a little concerned about one of the shows, but we'll see. Um, So, um, do you have any questions before we go watch Music Man? Uh, No, you had a pretty comprehensive uh, intro there. So, yeah, I mean... I'm excited now that I actually kind of know some of the references and I know uh, a bit of mm-hmm. what it's about, just vaguely. So I will say I have some good memories about my dad with this one because he oh, likes this show a lot. Um, and <laughs> Grifter's he, gonna grift. Yeah, um, but he he uh, I don't know. I had some good memories with this with my dad. That's it's one good, of though. the few good memories with him, but it's there. That's good though. So yeah, so. It's not like with Oklahoma with my grandfather. Those are like just beautiful memories. Rose, rose tinted memories. These are like, yeah, you were starting to go a little crazy <laughs> when we watched this together. Uh, all right. So let's take a brief intermission. Pray that uh, Latte doesn't get too upset with us watching two musicals in one day. <laughs> and let's go watch Music Man. Hi folks, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu and Reagan, and our producer circle sponsor, Bianucci. Thank you so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Now let's hear a word from one of our favorite shows, History on Blast. Hello, 
and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. Okay, babe, so what did you think about uh, the OG Grifter musical? It was okay. Um, mm-hmm. It was okay. The ending pissed me off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the case with some of these older musicals, that the ending is like, God damn it. Yeah, I... I that definitely is the case. Like, I, I like the entire show up until the end, and then I just feel a little bit let down. So, <laughs> we're going to get right into it on this one. So, the first note I had on here was was a nice toy soldier intro, Meredith, because the intro credits have, like, a marching band thing. Mm-hmm. But because of the time it was shot, they look a lot like Nutcrackers or toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. So, that was the thought that I couldn't keep out of my head at the That's very beginning. Fine. The show opens up with our con lead man rushing into rushing onto a train as he's pursued by an angry mob. As the train takes off, a bunch of traveling salesmen sing about selling goods. Hard goods, soft goods, small goods, big goods, alive goods, dead goods, <laughs> good goods, bad goods. All to the tune of the tuning train. They start talking about a man, uh... <laughs> A man that they have heard of, uh, this man, Harold Hill, he's a piss-poor professor of music, selling lies to the fine people of small towns everywhere. Professor Hill is found out and bails off the train to give Iowa a try for his con, much to the dismay of the other salesmen, since Hill is giving their profession a bad name. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I had a pop-up on my computer and then it threw me off my thing. No worries, dear. Hill gets off the train and is immediately reverse-greeted by everyone he encounters, who tell him to mind his own business. I thought small-town folks were supposed to be friendly. But these, these ones are very much not. I mean, maybe they have a douchebag sense and they can tell that this snake oil salesman is up to no good. But every person he meets when he gets off uh, the train, and the, it was funny because I just keep referring to it as, a, as small town or Iowa because it wasn't until halfway through I was like, oh... It's called River City, isn't it? Like, <laughs> so. There's a song about it. But. Yeah, well, you know me and, and how I am with that. So when he gets off the train uh, full of salesmen and he's in River City, just immediately starts asking, hey, you know, where, you know, where's a good hotel? And they're like, ah, Chicago. And, oh, okay. He's like, what do people do for fun around here? Mind our own business. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just very... Uh, resistant to the idea of strangers and what made me laugh is like you're welcome to come to the picnic eat all the food you can that you bring yourself <laughs> yeah i was just like jeez i love that opening number it is pretty good it is pretty or good. those two opening numbers because i love the uh salesman on the train because that's just musically cool it and is then... musically well done like mm-hmm. um i don't know 
the proper terms to use for what they were doing there, mm-hmm. um, where the the way they delivered their lyrics matched the It, it was another type of patter song. That's okay. pretty much the case with about half of the sh- songs in this show. Like, there are a lot of patter songs and then a lot of just, you know, standard musical theater songs. Or standard for the time. Cause. I'm always very impressed by patter songs mm-hmm. because they regular uh, uh, musical stuff is already out of my reach. Patter songs are like put on the shelf by Shaquille O'Neal, and no matter how hard <laughs> I jump, I will never reach them. However, Shaquille O'Neal should never do a patter song. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, no, very nice guy, I'm sure. Uh, he should never be allowed to sing ever. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> or rap, and this is coming from me, who yeah. can't rap. You can rap better than Shaquille O'Neal. Mm, only if it's one that someone else already wrote. Not Probably. gonna green egg and ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, okay. So, after the reverse greetings by the unfriendly townsfolk of River City, uh... I just ruined my entry. Okay. After getting a not-so-friendly hello from the townsfolk, Hill runs into one of his old business partners, Marcellus, who tells him that the people here are not an easy mark. What they don't have, they make do without. Marcellus tells Harold that the librarian will call him out and expose him before he can sell these folks on his band scam. Harold notices the billiard house and decides that it's a perfect opportunity to create a problem that he can solve for the fine folks of this town. Harold stirs the town folk up into a frenzy about pool and how it will be the doom of the youth in town. Pool will make them criminals. No good scoundrel types. That song is one of my favorite patter songs of all time. And Forbidden Broadway brings that one up a lot. Oh yeah? And like to point out shows that uh, they they would say Harold Hill would claim her ruining Broadway, um, and I I love because they always update it and they actually do a lot of Music Man references in Forbidden Broadway. Someday we need to like find a way to see that because I love Forbidden Broadway. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> um, but like they'll you know we got trouble, my friends. Yes, sir, trouble right here in New York City. Why, sure, I'm a theater goer. Why, sure, I'm a theater goer. Certainly, mighty proud to say it. I'm always mighty proud to say it. I consider that the hours that I spend at a Broadway show are golden. Help me cultivate culture and a feeling of dramatic flair. But friends, I say it takes brain. Or ah, dang it. Ah, I forgot the lyrics. Anyway, I love how they do that, and I love parodies of that song. So you know, I feel like uh, Hot and Bothered is probably going to be full of parodies. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, it's gotta be. You gotta cause... sneak a patter song in there somewhere. Oh yeah, gotta gotta do that. I guess it won't be sneaking; it'll be overt. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> overt parody. <laughs> All right. So after Harold whips the town up into a frenzy about the dangers of pool, so easy to do that with white people. <laughs> hey, when we decide to mobilize against something, we do it at breakneck speed. Jesus Christ, y'all can scare me sometimes. <laughs> now you scare me, okay? <laughs> I mean, I have mayonnaise flowing through my veins, and it still scares me. <laughs> I shouldn't have taken a drink. <laughs> Just water, we promise. Uh, Marcellus points out that... Uh, okay, so uh, when Harold is uh, rousing the townsfolk against the evils of Poole, Marcellus gives him the signal that the librarian is approaching, and it's just the 
piano playing motion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harold jumps onto the opportunity to try and schmooze her, I guess. But Marion the Librarian, which when I found that's what her name was, I was like, <laughs> God damn it, Marion the Librarian. Just... <laughs> If I ever write a musical, every character is going to have a fucking rhyming name with their profession. Anyway. That's why I mentioned who she was based on at the beginning. So, uh, but Marion the librarian is not having any of it. Marion goes home and teaches piano to some little girl, uh, Amaryllis. We get a funny scene with Marion's mother giving her grief about not accepting a gentleman's advances, and she's not getting any younger. Excuse me. Marion tells her to shove it, in so many melodic words, (laughs) all while still coaching Amaryllis. Uh, That was the reference that you were telling me earlier that Family Guy did, where it's like, Okay, oh my gosh, I find... Wow, okay, I'm not even going to attempt it. (laughs) Not even going to attempt it. Oh, I guess that's a lie. I did attempt it, and I fell flat on my face. Which is just, just normal for me when dealing with musical stuff. God, I'm bad with the You're musicals. Fine, okay, so Amaryllis goes out uh, in back of the house to get a drink from their water pump, which old-timey as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as Winthrop, Marion's little brother, comes home. Amaryllis asks uh, Winthrop if he wants to come to her birthday party next week, and he says no, but his mother scolds him for not having proper manners. Oh, Winthrop, you better have proper manners with the young lady. Except her Irish is better than that. (laughs) And Winthrop throws a little fit over his lip when he says, uh, no thank you, Amaryllis. Amaryllis asks Marion why her brother is such a little baby. And Marion explains it's because of his lisp and how he doesn't like to speak. Amaryllis makes a big deal about not having a boyfriend and unintentionally guilts Marion about not having a boyfriend either. I love that line. The two have a duet and sing upon a star, wishing for a boyfriend, I guess? Is that... Did I catch that? A little bit, yeah. All right, because I didn't fully understand what was going on there mm-hmm. in that scene other than she's like but i wish on the evening star I say good night to him on the evening star. star and then they have their little duet song uh we cut to the townspeople having a celebration uh, i'm not sure what the event is but they're celebrating being american i think it is fourth of july so, okay because i don't recall yeah. seeing fireworks and that's just so Stereotypical, um, but and I don't later in the scene. It's the whole burning of Pompeii thing that they talk about doing. Gotcha. So, but they do a patriotic song to a patriotic slideshow, and the mayor's wife and some kids doing Indian dance, Mm -hmm. and the real hero Tommy lights a firework and blows up the mayor's wife. Unfortunately, she survives. I gotta say, she, I think, was the most annoying character in the oh show. Oh my god, she I is. found her so annoying. I'm sure that actress is a lovely human being, mm-hmm, but, but I, she's meant to be. I wish she would have gotten blown up by Tommy. <laughs> the mayor is trying to read his announcements and keeps getting interrupted by Harold as he stokes the fires of fear among the townsfolk over the pool house in town. He jumps in to save the day and gives his sales pitch about River City getting a boys' band. I realize now that it was a band for everybody, not just the boys, but... Mostly the boys. Mostly the boys. Because trumpets are magical, and marching is wholesome, and uh, think of the children, or something. (laughs) 
Harold casts some kind of spell or spikes the water of the town with a hallucinogen because everyone breaks into a air marching band number and takes to the streets pretending to play music while music is actually going on because this is a musical. But if you take away the music, this would be a bunch of whacked out townsfolk flailing their arms and marching in line. The mayor and his bunch are spellbound by the prospect of this marching band making them famous, and the librarian gives them a, rea- a reality check about this fly-by-night salesman. So, oh my God. I kind of rapid-fired those last parts. So, <laughs> after, uh, so when they're doing the quote-unquote patriotic 4th of July celebration, and my homeboy Tommy attempts to uh, kill the Wicked Witch of Iowa, but fails, unfortunately, um... When they're having their, like, town... I don't... I guess... Is it a town hall meeting? I don't really know what to call it, but the mayor is standing in front of the crowd trying to read his uh, announcements that he has just about what's going on in the town and what's scheduled, and everybody's like, Rabble, rabble, rabble! Is it true there's a pool house here? Rabble, rabble, rabble! Think of the children! (laughs) That's when, uh... And I... Harold is really funny in that because the way he's, like, changing clothes and he'd jump up over here and say something to, like, get people going. Then he'd go over here and say something to get people Mm -hmm. going. And then, like, just this fucking guy, man. Like, just manufacturing a crisis so that he can provide a solution. I really don't like him in this, in the beginning at least. So there's a horrifying thing that I realized as I was rewatching this because I haven't seen this since 2016. Who oh, it goes, since 2016 goes without saying. I was, <laughs> I was a fucking grifter. I was attempting to go through this whole thing without making a reference to the potato, the sweet potato. No, he's not sweet. The the vile potato. The yam. Um, <laughs> the yam in command. Um, yeah, I was trying to avoid that, but the comparisons are the, the Harold is way more suave, mm-hmm. um, and at least he's not trying to, like, orchestrate violence. Yeah, and <laughs> like he gets character development. And he does get character development, which is nice. But what the actual fuck about that scene where the entire group takes to the streets pretending to be playing mm-hmm. when music is going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a nice um, foreshadowing of the very ending, Yeah, which I realize now as I'm going through the notes, but... What the fuck? Like, I, just, I, I almost want to take that scene and take out the music and just have that scene of all of these people just flailing around and pretending to play instruments. Because it's goddamn bizarre. Oh my god. We need to do that. We need to do it. I think that would be really funny. So... <laughs> After the librarian tells them, hey, you guys have just been spellbound by this Yahoo who just came into town, uh, the attempted murderer Tommy, who tried to blow up the mayor's wife, is brought to justice and about to be taken to jail when Professor Hill steps in and tells the constable that he can take this young man under his wing. Harold tells the constable that he knows how to break up a gang and keep keep a young man out of trouble. TNA, that's how. Mm-hmm. Harold grabs a girl from a group who are passing by and hooks up Tommy and hooks Tommy up with her. Turns out that that's the mayor's oldest daughter, the one that the mayor doesn't want hanging out with Tommy. Yep. Uh, but that just that just made me laugh so much because it's like youth and revolt. You know how you nip that in the bud? Get him laid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pussy, the great distractor. <laughs> 
Harold chases down Marion and tries to continue his advances to no success. She doesn't fall. Uh, she doesn't fall for him easily. Harold is accosted by the school board, who want his papers and certificates and credentials to prove his authenticity as a professor. Harold thinks quick and convinces the four men that they're a barbershop quartet, and it works. The four men who used to hate each other are now the best musical buds. Good lord. And they were actually pretty entertaining, like. I'm I'm kind of a sucker for barbershop quartets. Me too. I need to actually like look up some because I just I love that music. Mm-hmm. It just it's just acapella, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker. Generally, for it. yeah. Generally acapella. I'm yeah. It, I've got a, a weird soft spot for it. Uh, we see Harold in the next scene convincing a woman that her two little tone deaf twins are musically talented. She signs them up on the spot for. Something. Costumes or something. I don't remember, like, what instrument he's trying to... Yeah, I can't remember the instrument yeah. for them either. Because he basically just has them, like, sing, and he's like, Oh, just wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Sign here. And she's like, Oh, my gosh. I have talented children, because I'm dumb. <laughs> so, um, Harold runs into the mayor's wife and her bunch of socialite feathered-hatted friends. They're critical of him, and he convinces the mayor's wife that she should be a dancer. What with her natural grace and all, the women the woman swoons over Harold's kind words and immediately forgets that uh, forget what their grievances were. Harold brings up Marion, the librarian, and is given the four one one on her shady escapades. The word on the street is she was involved with some old rich guy who, when he died, left the library to the city, but all the books to Marion, assuming, assuring uh, her position as supreme empress of books for River City. But librarian is easier to say in polite conversation. And uh, she doles out dirty books. Doles out dirty books. Books that have people eating sandwiches in the forest and drinking wine. Chaucer. <gasps> Balzac. <laughs> Ball sack. Because um, <laughs> I'm original. Uh, I'm sure that joke's never been made. Uh, the show is really fast-paced. Like, mm-hmm. the, the only times that I felt like I had a chance to catch up are when they were doing the lengthy musical numbers that kind of mm-hmm. kept going. Because uh, that way I could finish typing out my thought and have enough time to actually look at the screen for a moment. Mm-hmm. I love how they intercut the chickens with the that, women doing the pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, pick, 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 talk a little. That was, well, God, that was so great. Because, yeah, and because uh, they were even kind of color-coded to match the chickens as mm-hmm. well. And, uh, yeah, and they're a bunch of, of clucking hens. Clucking, annoying individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Harold attempts to make his escape from the Cluck Brigade, he once again is accosted by the school board quartet, who demand to see his credentials. Harold invites them to his hotel where his papers are, but before he can, he slyly distracts the quartet with the, uh, with the Cluck Brigade, allowing Harold to sneak into Marcel's horse, uh, house? <laughs> carriage? Carriage rental shop? <laughs> barn? I'm going to go with horse house. He sneaks into his horse house. <laughs> it's the best little horse house in Iowa. <laughs> what what would that place be? Um, I think that they called it the livery stables. Okay, stables. But it's, it's, it is a carriage rental. You know, I can't believe that I forgot the word stable. <laughs> I mean, a horse house. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's accurate. 
It's an accurate it's where, synonym. It's a horse. <laughs> it's where horses live. It's where, it's where they spend their time when they're not out <laughs> being horses <laughs> in Iowa, as horses are one to do. So, <laughs> but, uh... After Harold sneaks into Marcel's horse house, uh, Amaryllis uh, goes... She doesn't knock on the door. She opens the door and is peeking through. And Harold points it out to Marcellus, who goes over and says, Hey, we're closed. And she's like, But can I come in and see the horses? He's like, Well, visiting hours are over, Mm -hmm. but okay. And they let the little girl in to uh, spend time with the horses. Nothing suspicious about a little girl in a barn with two adult men. And horses. And Yeah, but... But it's a small town in Iowa. Come on, Look little at... girl. Come hang out with <laughs> yeah. the horses. Want to see my horse? Yeah. God. Just saying. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> if, so, if two older men had lured me into the stable by myself... They didn't lure her in. She went there by choice. True, but she knows where the horses are. And as a little girl, you go, horses. <laughs> mm, mm. Mm-mm. Different time, I know, but Mm-mm-mm. but you were also you're also a uh, a black woman who was raised to be like, hey, um, be careful. Yeah, <laughs> so, this is true. I was socialized with that of mm, people want to steal you. Yes. <laughs> hey, you're... hey, hey! I bought you fair and square. Okay, <laughs> look at your left hand. All right. <laughs> so. Marcellus tries to hook Harold up with someone, and Harold is like, nah, but in a song form and a dance number instead. Uh, he's, like, he's like, no, I'm going to go over to the library. I've got something to research. Wink, wink, nudge, need, nudge. You get what I'm saying? I need the sadder but wiser girl. Yeah, he wants the sadder but wiser girl, mm-hmm. which I, it just makes me laugh. And it, uh, the song that he has with Marcellus I thought was really funny because uh, I missed some of the lines in there, but he's talking about that, like, the innocent girl will tie you up on knots that not even a sailor knows, you know, mm-hmm. just that she's gonna, she's gonna, basically he was like, the overall tone I got was that a sweet innocent girl is less likely to have sex with you before marriage, mm-hmm. where the sadder, older, the sadder, wiser girl is yeah. more likely to put out is kind of what his tone implied. Yeah. But, uh, Harold then goes to the library to attempt to swoon Marion again in a very, very, very creepy way, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Then again, a grifter and salesman is used to working against resistance and not taking no for an answer. Uh The dancing and choreography in this scene is really good, though. I should mention, uh, Harold begins to wear down Marion, and she smiles and is having fun during the course of the dance number until she realizes that she's having fun and stops it immediately. Harold quickly makes an exit after Marion assaults Tommy. Such violence in the library. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, such violence against a minor. So, like, <laughs> you know, Harold's being kind of creepy and handsy towards mm-hmm. her, and she goes to slap him, and he moves out of the way, and she clocks Tommy instead. Yeah. And I was like, oh, poor Tommy, because Tommy's actually a good kid. Like, he is. I mean, he's my favorite character so far. He tried to kill the most annoying person, so... <laughs> uh, after the creepy advances at the library, Harold goes to visit the mayor, who demands that Harold turn in his uh, 
references and proof of professorship. Harold, of course, deflects the situation and tells the mayor that he has a marvelous generic... Generic? He has a marvelous genetic advantage in his hand. The spread of his pinky finger makes his makes his son a prime candidate to play some kind of horn. The flugelhorn. Thank you, Kay. The flugelhorn. I can't remember, but now I remember because Kay told me. The mayor signs for the instrument before realizing that he doesn't have a son. He's never had a son. The mayor rants and raves and attracts the attention of his wife, who comes out to see what all the hubbub is about. But like a grifter ninja, Harold makes a quick escape and leaves the mayor uh, fingering at his imaginary horn. That that scene made me laugh a lot because Harold is so good at distracting people when they're asking him tough questions that he doesn't want to answer. Mm-hmm. And the way that he's like, your hands, what about my hands? He's like, the, the spread of your, of your last finger. It's like, it's marvelous. It is? It's genetic, actually. Your son would be able to, would be great at playing this and... I'm like, how dumb do you have to be to not realize that you don't have that yeah. kid? It, I feel like the idiot ball was passed around a lot by the townspeople in this. I'm say maybe, uh, maybe when the town was founded, there were only like six people, and they're all descended from those six <laughs> people, with the occasional person who moved in. <laughs> I mean, how would explain Jesus some of the. Intellectual deficiencies among some of them. <laughs> so, so what? What's what's worse, Kay? Two adult men with a little girl in a horse house, or the entire town is descended from six people? They're both bad. Both is bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. um, that's fair. I think though that we now know how the entire cast of the hair movie can exist. They are descendants. Of the townspeople of River City, Iowa. I don't follow. That is the only way that the stupid ball could get passed around so much in that movie is that they are descendants. This is all part of the Broadway cinematic universe. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Interconnected. Yeah. So they're all descendants of these River Cityans. And that's why the stupid ball got passed so much. You mean the River Cityats? Yes, the River (laughs) Cityats. So Harold is at Marion's house, hitting up her mother for Winthrop's future. In the band, of course. Winthrop runs away after Harold asks him a couple of questions. Marion tells Harold to piss off and quit hassling the family about the band. And Winthrop's dead father. You. So in that scene, uh, I don't remember how it gets to the point, but Harold is talking to uh, uh, Marion's mother, and I don't remember how they get on the con... the. Uh, topic of Winthrop and him playing in the band, but I just remember that he falls from the tree, and he's like, oh, don't you want to be in the band? And he's like, do I get a uniform? Yeah, a uniform with a stripe down the leg. And, and uh, but Winthrop runs off, because uh, he doesn't want to talk and use his S's, and that's when Harold is like, oh, well, let's, we should ask the boy's father. And that's when they're like, where's the boy's father? And that's when mm-hmm. Marion is like, he's dead. And if you want to go talk to him, and if you want to talk to Winthrop, you can explain to him why his father was taken from him. And yeah. Just kind of really just rubs Harold's nose in it. Yep. And during this, they sing uh, Gary, Indiana, which comes back later with yeah. Winthrop. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, Harold was singing about being from Gary, Indiana, which he's not. 
Uh, but he's thinking about being from Gary, Indiana, and that was before Winthrop falls out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Harold does leave the, uh, what's their last name? Uh, Peru. Peru. Harold does leave the Peru estate, which spurs Marion's mother to ask, What are you waiting for if you're not getting... <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> oh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you're not getting any younger. Spread them knees and you have yourself a good roll in the hay. <laughs> Sorry, I pride myself on being as dumb and offensive as possible. So I gotta, I gotta, gotta stick with that. Marion sings about this, uh, the kind of man that she wants. Kind, quiet, gentle, more interested in her than himself. Sounds very reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that it's that hard for her to find that kind of man in the town that she lives in, but I guess apparently it is. River City in 1910. Probably I guess, an issue. I guess all the guys are, are rude, loud rough and more interested in themselves than women probably i guess but uh or because it does seem like they came into the town so if we're going with the everyone's Mm. descended from the same six people gotcha she knows and she's going oh hell that's right they did they did move in i forgot about that line because when they're talking about uh, i can't remember the old guy madison madison thank you because when they they're saying that uh, Miser Madison didn't have a single friend in the town until Marion moved in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, of course, they're just like, oh, scandalous, this young woman mm-hmm. hanging around with this old man. Like, she must be doing naughty things with him. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's probably an old scholar and she's a young uh, intellectual and just yeah. probably like a grandfather relationship type thing mm-hmm. is what I would imagine. But, uh, See, Aha. Tommy and what's-her-face, Mayor's daughter, have their little lovebird banter in the library and agree to meet up at the bridge after supper for uh, some canoodling. <laughs> While this is going on, Miriam finds a book containing the proof that Professor Hill is a hilariously unqualified person to be selling uh, musical instru- instruments. Um, I can't remember the name of the book, but she basically finds a book that's like Indiana University... Yeah. Documentation or something yeah. like that. And it's from, what was it, from like 1889 to 1910 or something like that? Yeah. And he keeps telling everybody that he's nineteen graduated in 1905. Yep, from the Gary, Indiana Conservatory. That's important later. Ha-ha. <laughs> the Wells Fargo wagon has come to town, likely to sign people up for bank accounts they didn't ask for. <laughs> I mean, to deliver instruments to the poor suckers. I mean, the fine suckers. I mean, the fine citizens of River City. The I mean, the fine uh, cityets of Ri- River City. I kind of ruined that. But Winthrop is so excited about his trumpet that he's actually talking. And Miriam decides to destroy the evidence of Harold's uh, bullshittery. Yeah. And, because uh, she's trying to talk to the mayor to be like, the mayor, mayor, like, look at this book. If you look at this book, it'll answer your questions. And then the Wells Fargo wagon comes down. There's this whole song and dance about, oh, one time it brought me this. Oh, one time it brought me that. The Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. I wonder what it could be. Thank you, that. Pat. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so that song that Kay just sang. Um, and everybody is lining up uh, outside of the Wells Fargo wagon, hoping that it's got something for them, which most of them it did not. But that's what distracts 
everybody, including the mayor, from seeing the information that Miriam, Miriam, Marion is trying to show him. Mm -hmm. But then once Marion sees how much her brother has opened up and gotten excited and, and isn't moping, she's like, well, I don't want to crush him yeah. by destroying this man who has brightened up his life. So she decides to instead destroy the evidence. Yep. Um, so fun fact that I didn't realize until the very end of this, Winthrop is fucking Ron Howard. What? Yes, that's Ron Howard. No. Yes. What? Yes. Director Ron Howard? Yes. No. Yes. No. You're pulling my leg. No, I'm not. I can pull it up. That is crazy. Yeah, I. and it was when they did the credits, because at first I'm going, oh man, I can't remember who played Winthrop, and then they ran the credits and I went, Holy fucking shit. Oh, man. Ron I mean, Howard, he, went, he Ron, went by Ronnie at the time, but yeah, he's... Ron used to be a cute little kid. What happened? <laughs> now he's like this older ginger monstrosity. I'm sorry, Ron Howard. I actually don't know what you look like now. That was just an easy opportunity to dig at you. Oh, never mind. He's an older ginger monstrosity. Um... <laughs> Kind of looks like a gremlin. Uh, and he's worth more than I will ever have in my entire life. So who gets the last laugh, really? Oh, my God. Ron Howard, that's who. So. And you can thank uh, Kay for pointing out the fact that you were in this, Ron. So the band, if we want to call them that, is... Uh, practicing i think by uh not practicing because they've been swindled oh and uh there is this bizarre dance rehearsal from the mayor's wife that's all lame so next scene so <laughs> when when they're showing the band it's it's i am just so baffled how nobody's bullshit alarms like right? <laughs> really went off because 2016 happened that's <laughs> That's how this is plausible. Uh, so, oh, God damn it. So, Harold is sitting with the kids uh, just in this room, and they're all kind of lined up in chairs like you would if you were practicing a musical instrument. And this little boy comes up, and he's like, I don't know what to push on my horn. Can you show me? And Harold's like, oh, shit, how do I get out of this? Oh, I know. I'll tell you this lie that I'm going to pretend I was told by somebody, don't let anyone touch your instrument. It's your instrument. And he's like, but, but, but. Oh, kid, it's the secret. Just believe that you can play and you'll it's be able to think play. system. It's the bullshit system is what it is. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so after this introspective into how good... Howard is a bullshitting people. Mm -hmm. uh, Harold is now. We now see Harold is at the local soda shop buying ice cream for Tommy and his sweetie. I and uh, when the mayor busts in, get your hands off my daughter, you darn dirty degenerate! Harold rushes in to save Tommy and lend him aid, and yells and tells the mayor that Tommy is a good kid and he's going places, and he'll be happy to shake his hand at the band's first performance. <laughs> the mayor scoffs at all of this nonsense and tells Harold. 
that if, uh, not Harold, sorry, tells Tommy that if he sees him with his daughter again, he's going to whip the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. A um, bunch of people, so Harold, not Harold, sorry, Tommy, the mayor, the mayor's wife, and their daughter, whose name I can never remember because I don't care, uh, <laughs> leave the soda shop, and that's when, uh, sorry, Harold, after they leave, Harold has a soda with Marion, who was impressed with how Harold stepped in to defend Tommy. Marion tells Harold that Winthrop loves his trumpet, but he hasn't touched it, inquiring about Harold's experimental think system, where, <laughs> where if you think about being able to play, you'll be able to play. <laughs> I think the creator of The Secret is a descendant of Harold. <laughs> Grifter's got a grift, so... Just because, you know, if you just have positive thoughts and think about something, you have to put forth no effort whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You'll just magically get that thing. And be God, you know, if that worked, I would be an amazing artist, an amazing writer, and I'd be able to play every fucking instrument on the planet, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't be so goddamn tone deaf. Yep. So, shaka. Okay. <laughs> As Harold is heading back, is leaving the soda shop and heading back to his hotel room... He is accosted yet again by the school board quartet, who have now been deputized and are authorized to use deadly force in obtaining Harold's credentials. Harold tricks the idiots yet again with music. <laughs> the quadridiots sing a song about some broad, and Marion sings too, until Winthrop comes home with his fancy dandy new pocket knife, a gift courtesy of Harold. Who taught him a neat song about Gary Indiana? Gary Indiana, Gary Indiana, which has hardly any S's in it. Unfortunately, he sings it, and I should say he spits it. So there was a scene where, like, he's singing it in his mother's face, and I just kept expecting her to be like, like, uh, twitching every time he hit a hard S, and then mm -hmm. when he turned, just like wiping spit off her face, because he's hitting these hard S's, and he sounds like Daffy Duck. Yeah. You'd like to have a logical explanation. Exactly. Explanation. <laughs> Just blowing raspberries all over the place. Uh, Mr. Cowell arrives on the scene. He was on the train earlier. Mr. Cowell is an anvil salesman, and he has come to River City, Indiana to... Del Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> Gary, Indiana... Is not Iowa. River City, Iowa is not Gary, Indiana. These are two different places that exist in two different locations. One exists, one does not. But we saw a place where with River City and, and all the stuff going on there. It has to be real. It was on the magic mirror box. People live there. They have dreams, Kay. There's a dog there in River City. Are you saying that the dog doesn't exist, Kay? So, my break of reality resolved. Mr. Cowell, the Anvil salesman, comes to River City, Iowa, to deliver news of Harold Harold's bullshittery. Marion is jumping to Harold's defense, saying that he couldn't, he wouldn't, he isn't a lying piece of swindling garbage. She even goes so far as to mack on Mr. Cowell to keep him from delivering his incriminating letters to the mayor. 
Cowell tells Marion that Harold has a girl in every town, and that he's taking advantage of her. Marion doesn't want to believe it, but when Harold comes a-calling uh, for their evening out, she's cold and resistant. Harold is able to bullshit his way past her defenses and convinces her to meet him at the fuck bridge. <laughs> I mean the foot bridge. In 15 minutes. His salesman mind trick works and he takes off, leaving Marion uh, to get ready. Marion realizes where she agreed to meet Harold and cries out to her mother, who confesses that she has been using the think system on her daughter to get her to uh, loosen up. God damn. So, so uh, the way that the scene happens is when Harold goes to his hotel room and he's confronted by the the quartet of idiots and he's able to, you know, slink away from them and get them to sing a song. And the way that the screen breaks, uh, Miriam is Marion is also singing a song. And then that's when her little brother comes running up. But she is just kind of hanging out on the front porch when Mr. Cowell comes walking by mm -hmm. carrying his briefcase and he says, hey, do you know where the mayor's house is? And she's like, well, you're basically on the wrong side of town. You got to go to the other side. He's like, but I've, I've only got 15 minutes before I got to get on this train or I'm going to be fired. I was like, whose job is so important that you're like, oh, I got to stop over at this town before. Anyway, anyway, it Anvil doesn't matter. Salesman. It doesn't matter. It's pointless. Uh, but he is super creepy towards yeah. Marion and uh, just leering very, very heavily. And uh, when she tries to kind of flirt her way into defending Harold, because mm -hmm. she's trying to convince uh, Cowell to give her the letters and I'll deliver them to the mayor. And he's like, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. How do I know that you'll do it? And that's when she kisses him, like, do you trust me now? And he's like, eh, go a little bit farther than that, maybe. But, <laughs> so, yeah. but then, of course, yeah, uh, you know, that's when uh, Cowell is, like, saying, you think you're special. He's got a hundred girls just like you in every town in Iowa. Mm -hmm. and that's when she's like, no, he's special. He likes me. He really likes me. Which, you know, he does. Yeah. But uh, after... Harold shows up and, and works his way uh, past uh, Marion's defenses and kind of convinces her, oh, whoever you heard this from was just lying. They're jealous. Like, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. So that brings up Madison to sort of do that, to be like, I mean, I've heard things about you. Oh, that's right. She's he like, that he too. was like an uncle to me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because she calls him Uncle uh, Madison. Uncle, my father's best friend. You know, and that's that's mm -hmm. true. That's how he's able to work in the whole, well, rumors aren't true. Just because someone said something doesn't mean it's true, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's how he's able to bullshit his way past her defenses. But after he leaves her house saying, 15 minutes and then we're going to do the nasty... <laughs> That's when we get the Shipoopy number at the fairgrounds. Nothing else really happens except Cowell is lurking around in the background, lurking for the mayor still, so he can deliver his incriminating letters on Harold. After the Shipoopy number, the stage clears for the mayor's wife and her flock of hens to do their interpretive dance number on Grecian Urns! Yeah. And it's... Lame? Yeah. I mean, they don't really focus on it that long they cut away pretty quick oh, because that was a mercy so uh harold is waiting at the fuck bridge i mean footbridge for marion uh marion why can't i say her name 
For Marion, he pretends to conduct a mir- <laughs> he pretends to conduct a mirage band in the water, which is odd. And now that I say that sentence out loud, I'm definitely going to have to explain it. Uh, <laughs> while he's standing on the bridge, waiting for Marion to show up. He, like, grabs this stick, and he looks over the edge of the bridge into the water, and he sees a mirage of a band. And mm. that's when he, like, pretends to be a conductor. Like, and and it was just, it's odd. It's odd. And I, I, I don't know. He's, it's odd because he's a fraud. So why does he want to conduct? I don't get that. Does he, like, secretly want to do it? But he's, like, he's been a fraud his whole life, and he's like, I can't go... I can't go legit now. Like I think that that's where his character shift starts happening. Yeah, you think when seeds start getting planted? Yeah, where he goes, oh crap! I actually like this town, and I like these people, and crap. Well, Marion shows up and sings a song to Harold about how she never felt this way until him, and she kisses him. Snakey snake man, damn it, Harold! Stop taking advantage of people, you slimy prick. Mm-hmm. Marcellus gets Harold's attention by throwing a rock at him and tells him that the uniforms are here and that he needs to get his money and leave town now before people realize he's a fraud. Harold is like, but I'm about to get laid. I can't leave yet. And he rushes off back to Marion, who reveals that she knows that he's a fraud and that she uh, and she shows him the page that she tore out of the book that proves that he's a fraud. Uh, right on cue, though. Cowell reveals to the town at the fairgrounds that Harold is a fraud, and now the mob is out for blood. Uh, they literally grab torches and begin the hunt for him. Marcellus is on the lookout for Harold to warn him, but Harold has to escort Marion home and is waiting for her to change before they can play hide the trombone. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Kay did that, like, silent high squeak laugh, and I'm, like, looking at the recording, and it was barely even registering. Uh, oh. <laughs> sorry, are you okay? Oh, my lungs. That was so funny. <laughs> God damn it. The hunt for Harold continues, and we're treated to the townsfolk and their frantic, fire-wielding manhunt. God, white people with torches are scary. Uh, right? Uh, like, especially... Uh, that scene especially made me go, whoa, like, this happened, like, a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but Marcellus tries to run interference and lead them off so that Harold can, Harold can escape. Harold decides to pick this moment to grow a conscience and not flee. The mob nabs Harold and drag him to the town hall. The tar is melting and the feathers are being plucked, and Harold is <laughs> Harold is quaking. However, right before this, uh, Winthrop comes up. Mm. And You're right. So this is another scene that they do in one of the Forbidden Broadways. I wanna say it's uh two thousand one, the that year's Forbidden Broadway that they did this scene uh with because they were talking about the revival that was going on in 2000. And they have the Winthrop character running up and just, Thither, Thither, stay away from Harold Hill. He's a dirty, doppy thief. Harold, I wish you'd never come to River Shitty. Buffer <laughs> <laughs> and suck a tat. But yeah, so I forgot that part. Yeah. Um, 
after the town finds out that Harold's a fraud, Winthrop runs off because he's very upset by it. And uh, Harold's just hanging out in front of Marion's house, waiting for her to come out. And that's when uh, Marcellus shows up, and he's like, dude, you gotta go. There's an angry mob looking for you. And then uh, Marion's mother shows up, and she's like, oh, you better get going, Harold. Like, she doesn't want him anything bad to happen to him, because yeah. I think she also sees the positive impact he's had on her son. But she's like, you better get out of here. They're out for blood. I haven't seen Winthrop. Maybe he's in his room. So she goes inside. That's when Marion comes out and she's like, what's going on? And Harold's like, the shit has hit the fan. And <laughs> Winthrop, that's when he comes home and he's just like, you're a dirty, rotten liar. What was it? Oh, God, that was so funny. Uh, when Harold's, uh, he tries to run and Harold grabs him and he's like, no, you sit here for a thing. He's like, why? You're just going to lie to me anyway. He goes, I won't lie to you. I'll tell you the truth. He goes, are you a liar? Yes. <laughs> Did you take people's money? Yes. Do you know how to conduct a band? No. Right. No. <laughs> uh, that part was just funny, but, uh, okay, so, yeah, we covered that. Um, so we're at the courthouse after they grabbed Harold and took him, not courthouse, town hall. Mm-hmm. After they, uh, nabbed Harold. Marion, however, rises to Harold's defense and reminds everyone how boring River City was before Harold came there, and how they had nothing to be proud of, and how they all sucked. The townsfolk stand up one by one in protest of Harold being prosecuted for his lies, when the mayor is like, but you all paid for uniforms and instruments for a band. Where's the band? Tommy comes to the rescue and brings in the band. Marion brings Harold up front and center and has him conduct the band. Just oh. as expected... Think, men. Oh, God. Think. Think. <laughs> Think and you can play. It's one of my favorite moments. And this is where the show starts to piss me off. <laughs> so, Harold is brought up to conduct, and just as expected, they all play horribly. Because the think <laughs> method doesn't work. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Not these idiots, that's for sure. And the drive... And the uh, eh. and to drive the point home, just how stupid these people are, they cheer on their children one by one, thinking that their kid sounds great. Tommy leads the band out of the building, and they magically get nicer uniforms and better instruments. And God damn it, <laughs> I hit a button on my laptop, and it skipped to the very top of my notes. So, so Tommy leads them outside, and they magically get better uniforms and better instruments, and proceed to usher in the closing credits as they march down the street, playing way better than they have any right to. <laughs> Moral of the story, listeners, if you bullshit your way through life long enough, not only will you find love, but you'll come out of it smelling like a rose. <laughs> I hate that ending scene so goddamn much, because... I don't feel like Harold learned his lesson. I don't oh, no, feel like not he, at all. He didn't. He didn't have to redeem himself really in any way. No, like he he bullshit his way through everything to the point where he was able to like Jedi mind trick mm -hmm. Marion into doing all the work for him. Mm -hmm. Because even when he gets up there to conduct, he doesn't know how to fucking conduct. Like no. it takes training yeah. to learn how to conduct properly. I've, I've, I've been at performances with you and I've like, I've seen conductors conduct and mm -hmm. it takes practice. So, and then of course, you know, when everybody's playing the instruments, they're terrible because they don't know how to play. There's the one person playing it right. 
If you say so. <laughs> Doing the da 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 Like at least being on tune. Or in tune and on key. But that's it. <laughs> oh, God. But, and, you know, I get, I get, um... The idea that the parents are proud of their kids, like, mm-hmm. even if they sound terrible, they're just like, oh, look at my little kid up there in his it's... uniform with his instrument. Even if he sounds like dog shit put through a strainer, like, just having been in a school band, that's what band parents are like. <laughs> it doesn't matter that your kid sounds like garbage. You're like, that's my baby. It's like, okay, but the difference is, the difference is with that. Is at least if you're in band, you're getting actual yeah. training from someone who knows music. Yep, and it's your own damn fault. And you're and you're you getting don't do it right. Like, and they they instruct you to practice your instrument and mm-hmm. stuff like that. With this one, it was just the whole think method. Just go home and think about playing it, and then yeah. you'll be able to play it. And so yeah. I I just I, no, I enjoyed it's... I enjoyed this show a lot, but just like uh, uh, My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. it gets to the end, and I feel like it just falls right on its face. Yep. I feel like it could be so much better if you just tweaked the ending of both of those shows and actually had the person in question fucking learn a goddamn lesson. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just... I want to see the one year later of this. Right? Well, I mean, maybe that's what that last scene was. Maybe. Maybe it was the one year later because mm-hmm. they all sounded way better. Yeah. And they had nicer uniforms, so maybe it was the one maybe year later. Maybe Harold, because uh, the stage version does not end with the band being you said miraculously just, better. It's it just, just ends with um, the part where they're in the town hall playing and mm-hmm. everybody's like, that's my Timmy, yeah. that's my James. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, the... At least the movie kind of makes you think, oh, maybe Harold Hill, you know, d- actually learned his lesson and also nope. was like... But no, he didn't. Nobody no. got laid, though. So there's that. He got that. laid. Good job, Harold. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the I think Marion is probably half to a third of his age. Mm-hmm. Creepy bastard. Mm-hmm. But, yep. Yeah. Yeah, this, this show... It does fit into the Broadway cinematic universe really well, though, because it does explain the uh, happenings of hair that takes place about 50 years later. So, If you squint and take a lot of drugs, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, because they're just descended from those uh, same six people, and that's why the idiot ball <laughs> oh, gets passed around so much, because the idiot ball started in River City. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, uh, I I feel so conflicted with a lot of these classical shows mm-hmm. because so far, a lot of them like I like them right up to the end, and mm-hmm. then I and then I don't like the ending. As soon as you get to the ending, it's like, God damn it! Uh, nobody learns a fucking lesson. Why don't old white men ever get to learn a lesson? Like, it just it works out for them. It just fucking works out for them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like life. I don't know. Is that the moral of the story? Is just be, be an old white man. Be an old white man and everything will work out for it's you. Gotta be. Oh, Jesus just... Christ. Because it was one of those things that, because I, I have such fond memories of this, but that was because I had seen it pre-watching the ultimate grifter do their work. And suddenly I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> this is... Harold, he... he... Harold is funny because I'm trying. Can't remember his name, but the uh, the professor in uh, My Fair Lady, 
Henry Higgins. Henry Higgins. Holy shit. Harold Hill, mm-hmm. Henry Higgins. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Uh, <laughs> Peter Parker. Nah, but Peter Parker's at least a superhero who does good. And he's, he's in a musical. Don't you fucking mention it. <laughs> so, so, but, but I just... Because Harold Hill... With Henry Higgins, he's an insufferable douchebag. Oh, yeah. And he... But he's entertaining. Yeah. Henry Higgins... Not Henry Higgins, God. Harold Harold Hill Hill is less insufferable because he's very, very charismatic. Yes. Like, that's the thing, is that he's so charming and so charismatic that he's able to bullshit his way through all Mm -hmm. of the obstacles rather than just kind of bulldoze his way through them like uh, Higgins does. Yeah. Um, And he is very entertaining, except for the parts where he's being creepy towards Marion. Yeah. And just, just... I want, I, I I want him to learn a lesson. Like, I just, yeah, why, it would be nice. Why is it so hard for musicals to do that? Like, because I swear that every ending is just jingling the keys, going just look at the keys, look at the keys, everything's fine. Look I, at the keys. I don't think that we get that until post hair that you don't get people learning their lessons. Like, and even then, it's not as common. I think. I think that's a more recent thing in musicals to have if the main character's a douche, by the end of it, they either learn their lesson or they keep being a douche and the lesson is don't be a douche. <laughs> the lesson for the audience is don't be this guy. Yeah, because that's, that's like the only... That's the only thing I can think of because, I mean, the 50s were more optimistic with musicals and more... Like, I don't know, there was a lot of the let's make these shows feel really good. And this is post-World War II as well, so that's kind of the culture at the time is, I don't know, I don't know. It's it's a lot of let's smile and have happy musicals, and <clears throat> it's not until later that we start getting the, yeah, but the lessons suck. Yeah. I mean, but I, I did like the show right mm-hmm. up until the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is entertaining and everything like that. And it's nice to see the references, you know, the source of the references. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's just, that's my take. Do you have any questions for me or anything? Hmm. I don't think so with this oh. one. That kind of sums up my, my views. Yeah. So Warren? Okay. This is the moment... Now is the time. Unfortunately, I cannot think of something that'll rhyme. (laughs) I was trying to come up with something on the fly to lead us into Spoopy Month because next week starts Spoopy Month. Yay! And to start out Spoopy Month, we are doing a Frank Wildhorn musical, our first (laughs) one of his. Um, I had at first wanted to do Scarlet Pimpernel first and do it before Spoopy Month because I had this whole schedule written out, but then I couldn't find a copy of Scarlet Pimpernel. So if anyone listening here has a copy of an English version of Scarlet Pimpernel. Because didn't you say that you, the only ones you could find were in Spanish? German. German. (laughs) And I, like, we are going to be doing one that's in a foreign language that's Frank Wildhorn. 
but I wanted you to hear Scarlet Pimpernel like you would hear it if we were to see it here. Um, so if anyone's been in it or has a copy of Scarlet Pimpernel, feel free to, we will love you forever if you like send us a file with it or send us a link or something. Um, but the, the Frank Wildhorn one that we're doing first is the one that I was singing while well, butchering the song from. We're doing Jekyll and Hyde. Nice. I, I am, I have a passing familiarity with Jekyll and Hyde, but mm-hmm. I've never, uh, read the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. I'm excited. That's and awesome. the version that we're watching has, uh, well, let me, uh, let me show you our cast list with our lead actor for the version we're watching. No way. Yes. No way. Yes. David fucking Hasselhoff? Yes. <laughs> Fan-fucking-tastic. Does he play Hyde? Yes. Oh my he, god. He plays Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll. Uh, so he plays both of them? I believe so. I believe that that's how they, they have it set up okay, for I couldn't this. remember if they had like two separate actors since it, it's kind of a light-side, dark-side. I don't light think side, dark so side. with this. Yeah, no, he plays both with this one. That's... So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm actually excited mm-hmm. to see Hasselhoff do that. Yep. So Sweet. next week we're uh, we're gonna start our spoopy month <laughs> with Jekyll and Hyde, and then after that I will announce what the second musical is for Spoopy Month after that. And that's the mystery one that you it's haven't. The told mystery me. one that I have not told you yet. And that better not be fucking taken down by the time that we get to it. <laughs> I will be so mad because <laughs> I have searched for this one. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Otherwise, I'll have to change my plans again or find a different spoopy musical for yeah. and week two. You're still recovering, so I want you to have as little stress as possible. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of... Tone Deaf with Warren's introduction to Music Man. Yes, and if you want to reach out to us, please, uh, you can on all the social media things, uh, Tone Deaf Musical on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, Gmail. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also join us on our Discord uh, channel that we have on the Podcast Junkie Discord server. Uh, okay, we'll have a link in the description of the, the show. And, uh, yeah, if you want to come talk to us about musicals or unrelated things, we're, yep. we're down to interact and, and have a good time. Want to see pictures of Latte and Steven? Yeah. Who... If you like animal pictures, uh, we've got some on there because animals are great. Yep. Um, and also, we do have our website up. It's ToneDeafMusical.com. And if you happen to have a show that you really want us to cover and you have a way for us to see it, Please email us um, at tonedefmusical at gmail.com with, you know, the link to uh, where we can see it or a source for it. Um, Because we don't have a P.O. box right now. So that'll be a thing eventually. And if you want to know Kay's schedule, feel free to ask her because um, she has has a a plan for, of course, introducing me to all these things. But, you know, a show that you might want to see. Um, might not be, might be later down the road, but if, if there's people who want to see it, we might be able to get shuffled sooner into the, the mix. So, yeah, but yeah. So if, if it's a show that Warren hasn't seen, which other than the ones that we've covered 
in episodes, there's only like four shows he hasn't seen. <laughs> um, that I have seen. Or that you have seen. Yeah. Um, very few. Yeah, there's very few. Like, those are the only ones that I can say with confidence we'll be doing later. Yeah, um, because but, I've already seen him, even if I it's been years. Yeah, because I want, I want his mind to be as fresh as possible as I meld it and form it into this cultured brain. You're trying to Pygmalion my brain? I'm trying to Pygmalion your brain. Good Is luck with working? that. Good luck with that. You know, uh, slowly... Uh, uh, I am picking up on stuff. Yes. Which is why I'm very proud of myself when I do remember things and why you give me these, like, big starry eyes of, like, oh, <laughs> you're not as dumb as I thought you were. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, just thank you so much for listening and um, for our Patreon or patrons. We're going to try to get the Skittles musical up soon. Um, It'll probably be up Taste at the, the end of the month. Um, if I can get it up around the time that we're putting this episode up, that would be nice, but we're going to be out of town. I gotta say, I love hearing Kay say if I can get it up. God damn it. That just, that brings a smile to my lips. Oh my lord. Oh man. So, thank you guys for <laughs> listening. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. This has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.